time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. finish the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures. Thus, keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Rebels. In this episode, the Rebels look to secure intel on a deadly new Imperial fighter prototype for the TIE Defender. There will be Princess Mononoke Adventures, Thraniana Jones, and the kid's still a TIE Fighter. Again! We're talking about fi- Flight of the Defender this week. Flight of the Defender, not Fight of the Defender. They're not fighting. Well, they are fighting in the... How are you, Chris? Fight of the Deflender. Deflender! <laughs> How you doing? Good. That's good. I, got, I finally, I I went to the vape store today, and I found out that we have a new vape juice ban in New York State where they've banned flavors, and oh. they didn't, didn't have my kind of vape juice, which is the the nicotine salts, uh-huh. and they didn't have any flavors. So I bought some coils, but I went to an and so I'm like, oh, geez, well, I'll see what they have in the other four vape stores on the street. And I went into one, and uh, I scored their last bottle of salts. And and it was only because I was chit-chatting with the lady and was like, she's like, well, we've got some melon flavor here, but everything else is just tobacco or plain and I go, uh, and she goes, no fruity flavors. And I go, well, I don't really like the fruity flavors. I just want mint, just like plain mint. And she goes, oh, really? We have one last one of mint. And I'm like, yes. So I have one last month of of tasty vaping before I have to go to probably like tobacco flavored. Ugh. I have no idea. I've never tried tobacco flavored vape, but I just can't it's, seem it's, to it's, think how it could be uh, good. It's at not all. good, and it doesn't even taste like tobacco. Yeah, no. I imagine it just tastes like some weird, crappy, dirty sock or something. Yeah, I I had tobacco juice one time, and I was just like, nope, nope. It was my backup if I absolutely ran out, and I got to the point where I just had to dump it because it was just so bad. Quite a like, tobacco juice. Ugh, it's it's. Ting. I, I just picture tobacco juice. I picture someone spitting out their chaw, or uh, or when you pick up a grasshopper and it spits out that black goopy stuff that they call tobacco juice. Mm. Can't can't you order it online? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but if they ha- there's a ban in my state, that I might not be able to order it into my state. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, double check because so, there might I'll, be just I'll, something uh, between. It might just be stores that can't sell it. There might not be. It might be a ban of on stores selling it versus having yeah. to ship to you. Yeah. But then again, I have I have friends in all kinds of other states too that might want to yeah. smuggle I mean, me some. I mean, honestly, 
as much as I hate them, Amazon has everything. It's just going to show up in an Amazon box. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Bezos don't give a fuck about breaking laws. <laughs> I'm doing all right, you know, just watching the world burn. <laughs> it's been a week. <laughs> just watching the world burn. So, yeah. That's why I'm happy. With I just want just on that subject, just briefly on that subject, not to get too detailed about it, but and not to minimize it at all, because do not minimize it at all. It's historical. But just remember, the United States has burned like this before. There's been riots and, you know, like sprouting out. And so it's 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 happened without, you know, the world ending before. But yeah. the world still could end, but it has happened without the the world ending before. So it just love- not in most people's life lifetimes that are participating in it now. So the the Revolutionary War war was riots and looting and rebelling against the system in place because it was an unjust system. And we and formed a fucking country out of it. Th- there was a time <laughs> period in the late 60s to the mid 70s where we were averaging one homegrown American terrorist bombing a day, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and riots everywhere. So in, in today we're, we're recording on the first day of pride and the gay rights movement was started because black and brown trans women picked up bricks and fucking threw them at the police at stone Stonewall. This is this is the first time in in many years. That, and now we have gay There rights. has been a pride parade in in Rochester. I would be, yeah, it's weird. I'd be garage sailing right now. I would be coming back. I would have been coming back from garage sailing through the through the pride parade. Like, like that's that's a thing. Like, I I can exist as a queer woman and not get arrested for being queer because. A black trans woman picked up a brick and fucking threw it at a police officer. Like, it's good stuff comes out of this, and it's been a week. It's been a very long week. Happy Pride! Ah, <laughs> uh, you want to talk some Star Wars? Sure. We're both very excited because for our candy, we're having baked Kit Kats tonight, and honestly, that's the oh only thing I got today. Today. <laughs> There's one good thing. Thank you, Dario Gonzalez. If if there there's something to look forward to in a day, yeah. And Dario, like, the thought of big Kit Kats got me through the fucking day today. Thank you, Dario. <laughs> yeah, there'll right, be more explanation on that later, but yeah, boy. Oh, I'm so excited. All right, you ready to get into this? Yes. All right, I'm gonna take a sip of my drink. Oh, reminder. We were talking last week about since this episode and last week's episode both aired on the same night and you had specifically asked, was that supposed to be a two parter? And I said, technically, no. Going into this episode, did you feel like it was a part two of last week's episode or do you feel like not really? No. Yeah. No. Separate episodes. Okay. Yeah. I feel the same way because like like both of them. It's self-contained. Yeah. I, I felt the same way, too. Did you like this episode? I did. Um, me, me too, but not for the normal Thrawn reasons. I actually think the Thrawn storyline is actually pretty, like, meh. Medi- I mean, it's it's pretty mediocre. Like, what makes this episode our fucking Loth Wolves? <laughs> oh, guess what, Hope? Guess what? Oh my god, did you actually like Thrawn in this episode? I got some criticisms of Thrawn in this episode. Oh, I'm not surprised. That's your normal I compiled Thrawn. a few on, on... I got some critiques on Thrawn in this, this episode. I mean, they weren't critiques, but it's not like... 
intriguing Thrawn meat of the episode. It was just Thrawn was there. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Yeah, like it wasn't like super meaty Thrawn. Um, it was just Thrawn, you know, watching stuff and giving orders. And it wasn't. It's not like you know when he's actively trying to out Callus. Um, so so yeah, I mean, it's the Lost Wolf was made in this episode for me. Excuse me. All right, you ready? I am ready. Flight of the Defender is the 65th episode of Star Wars Rebels, and it was released on October 30th, 2017, the same day as last week's episode. So again, happy Halloween, 2017. It was written by Dave Filoni and Stephen Melching, and it was directed by Saul Ruiz. Some extra information for you. The new model TIE Defender in this episode has new wings compared has a new wing design compared to earlier models to mimic the pop-off wing feature from Star Wars Kenner Toys. Yeah, the it Loth- sure does. Yeah, it does. The Loth Wolves have been hinted at for some time now. In the Mortis Arc of the Clone Wars, there are pictures of the Loth Wolves in the celestial images around the father. In Rebels, Ezra has mentioned the Loth Wolves in Season 1 while in the Lothal Temple getting his kyber crystal. They were first pictured in the Lothal Temple episode, uh, Shroud of Darkness, in Season 2 as cave paintings, but the Clone Wars appearance with the Mortis Arc was a retcon back into the series after Rebels came out. The friendly Lothcat sounds are recordings of the late Kitty Tex, sound designer uh, Dave Accord's cat. Accord's other cat, Porkchop, has his purse featured in The Force Awakens when his purse were used as Kylo Ren's Force rumbling sounds. I've this got episode, I've got recordings of my late cat's purr too. Oh, I need to do that with my kitties. My girls are starting to get old. This episode, in a way, is an evolution to the season one episode, Fighter Flight, where the TIE fighter has been stolen, stolen but this time the stakes and dangers are higher. Thrawn shooting at the TIE defender as it flies overhead is a nod to Indiana Jones. There is also many ties to the Hal Miyazaki film Princess Mononoke in this episode. Dave Filoni told Nerdist in an interview that Princess Mononoke is probably his favorite animated movie of all time. Me- Dave, yeah, I fucking love that movie. Have you have you seen Princess Mononoke? I have not. Oh, Chris, it's so good. And you know, it actually has a really good uh, English dub. Um. The, the English oh, I'd rather like, see it. I'd rather see it subtitle. I've seen. I I can't remember. No. I've seen a couple of Miyazaki's films, and but the, I I I don't watch. I like. I I need to get prodded into watching them because the the, the they're 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 like. I realize they're a different level of animation, so you have to really like. Yeah. Sit That's, down. Be ready to to absorb it properly. It's a like high level that he makes high level movies you know i like um i i actually maybe and maybe it was because it was how i first watch it i actually prefer the dubs over subs um on princess mononoke but it has a stellar english voice cast it has like mini driver billy mm. crudup billy bob thornton john dimaggio Claire Danes, uh, Jada Plinkett Smith, like Corey Burton. I mean, it has a fucking stellar voice cast, and it's it's, it's one of those where I feel like uh, Miyazaki films don't always have the best English voice casts. Um, but Princess Mononoke's English cast is so good, 
And I, oh, God, Chris, you have to watch this movie. It's so good. Well, that, you're not going to understand fucking half of my notes. <laughs> um, Dave Filoni said in an interview uh, with, the, with the Nerdist about the Loth Wolves, one of my purposes was having wolves as an avatar for this Force-type character was to give kids a positive image of wolf, of, of a wolf. There are so many negative images around them. So this is just another positive, I hope, representation of the animals while still respecting that they are, there's a duality there, as all things in nature have. Their own connection to the natural world is definitely driving them, but it seems like there's something more. I would say the reactions of the wolves, everything they're doing specifically and not necessarily, is meant to be completely benevolent either. There's a purpose behind them and what they're trying to represent. I always think the purest form of the Force is the nature itself, giving life and destroying it, birth and death, and I think that these wolves are just the kind of vessel that I'm using in a new way to communicate through this story, but hopefully stay true to what the Force actually is. And for Rebels Recon for this episode, they talk about the TIE Defender Elite and why it's such a big deal. The Rebels rely on the fact that they have very few ships, but the rebellion ships are better made than the empires, which tend to be to use, which tends to use cheaper ships. The rebellion ships can last longer against them, but now with the Tie Defender Elite, it has speed by more. It has speed, but more importantly, shields, which can stand up against the rebellion's fleet. Part of the reason that Thrawn butts heads with people like Krennic Tarkin and even at times Emperor Palpatine. Thrawn wants to actually win the war with a ship that can actually beat the Rebellion, but they want to put all their money and time and effort into the Death Star to, as a show of force and power and fear, when Thrawn actually has the better idea. A couple members of the Rebels crew, like Keith Kellogg and Henry Gilroy, said if Thrawn had been allowed to continue this project, the Empire would have torn the Rebels apart and the original trilogy would have ended differently. In regards to the creation of the Lothworld Wolves, Keith Kellogg flat out started with, Dave Filoni really loves wolves. When the crew found out that they were going to do wolves on the show, they really wanted to make them uh, make them awesome and great, and, and it was a big deal, and they wanted to do it well for Dave. The crew actually was very nervous because animals are very challenged to create an animation compared to human models. They need to be both realistic and recognized as wolves, but still be stylized and be part of the Rebels' world. There was also a challenge of adding hair and fur on the wolf, which was a huge, hurdle, a huge hurdle for a TV animation budget. In comparison, because I was looking this up for Monsters, Inc., the, the Monster Sully, the big furry blue one, has something like 25 million hairs on his body that are animated compared to the Lothwolf. <laughs> So, like, but that's because it's a huge movie budget versus a TV budget. So that's kind of, like, a perspective well, of differences. At least, at least in Rebels, they sort of have an aesthetic established where hair can be kind of, kind of stylized and plastic. Not moving. Yeah, kind of like Lego, like, you know, not, not quite Lego level, but, you know. Yeah. stylized and uh, I, I mean it works so and it, it saves does. a lot of time and money <laughs> a yeah. lot um they had 416 animation controls on the fur of the loth wolf to make sure that the tufts and pieces would actually move in this show you know who also has tufts and pieces that move oh, watch it wiggle see it <laughs> jiggle 
Singing a little song, Yodas. Mm. I like your song. Jello and gelatin. Mm. <laughs> oh, the jello was wiggling. Okay, that makes me feel better. Mm. The jello. <laughs> the jello it wiggles. Jello means something different in Yoda's language. Ah, uh, 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 hey, a question, Yoda. I have a question. Yeah, uh, a question for Yoda. So, um,. My question is, Yoda, have you ever wrote, have you ever written a Lothwolf? I did not write that in proper grammar. Have you, have you ever wrote a Lothwolf? Oh, you don't know? Are you Never seen Oscar winning movie with Yoda? Mm, was no. part of Lothwolf's tribe, Yoda was, accepted as one with Lothwolf's, Yoda was. Yoda was lost. Lothwolves found Yoda, made him one of them. You never saw a movie? Mm. Dances with Lothwolves? Mm. Yoda. <laughs> Yoda got part over Kevin Costner. Mm. And Patrick Swayze, yes. Wait, how old ugly, were you when you made this movie? Ugly, ugly Patrick mo- Swayze. Mm. How old were you when you made this movie? <laughs> uh, this movie is not that old. Yoda doesn't want to tell. That's where you were during part of the Clone Wars. You were filming a movie. Yoda was going native. Yes. Loth wolves, no clothes allowed. <laughs> Free in the wind. I think I'm going to cut it here, Yoda. I hope you have a good week. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> um. You never I, saw Dances with Lothwolves? He was I awful think... in it. He was awful in it. And he was really awful. But just any thought of Yoda with no, no clothes is just a good time, you know, just to pull out the, the old cane and pull him off the stage. Oh, this, the the initi- initiation ceremony was... Not fun to watch. It was. Oh God. You want to talk no. about cringy? <laughs> I mean, I, I watched Dances with Wolves, which is cringy enough in 2020. I don't even want to imagine what Dances with with Yoda looks like. <laughs> when Dances with Wolves came out, it was greeted as gritty realism. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. How uh. amazing! Like what a amazing like, really capture the spirit of of them Indians and, and their religion. And, and, oh and it's God. so spiritual and it made a lot of like, like white people really want to be adopted as Indians. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, weird. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. My you father know? was quite taken with it. And I was just like, I don't know. It has, it's Kevin Costner. It's probably pretty cheesy. And he's like, Oh, I think he did a lot of research. on. <laughs> But I've you heard know, not. <laughs> you know, Green Book did the exact same thing in 2018. We saw how well that went. Yeah, at least, anyway, at least... Act One. <laughs> act One. We open with Lopcats being freaking cute. Look at their very little cute fluffy faces, Chris. They were stuck. They were all like, look, we're a bunch of kitties. And I was like, oh my God. And they 
scamper and they run and they purr until they run up to Ezra, Sabine, Ryder, and Zeb looking down at an Imperial airfield. They're looking for the supposed new TIE Defender, but they don't see anything. But that's okay because the Lothcats are just loving on Zeb and licking his ears and nuzzling him and cleaning him and not, they all just love Zeb and honestly, me too kitties, I love Zeb too. Hera calls into them. She and Kanan are currently stationed at Ezra's old home in the communication tower just outside of Lothal's capital city. I'll get to my note. I, 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 when I was looking up whether or not it was Lothal's capital city, I found the most amazing thing and I put it in my notes. So we're going to come back to Lothal's capital city. They're keeping an eye on Imperial activities around the city, seeing that it looks like all the Imperials are getting ready to start a full-scale production of their ships. Hera tells them to lay low and return to base that night. Ezra and the cat gang return to watching the shipyard, and the lost cats continue to be adorable furball babies. That is, until the kitties hear a noise. Then the rebels hear the noise too. It's a ship coming in. And it comes in so fast that they don't have a warning. It flies in over them so fast that it fucking rips Sabine's helmet off her damn head. <laughs> they watch in terrified awe as the ship lands in the yard, and it is the new Tide Defender Elite. Zeb voices that the Rebellion doesn't even have a ship that can match the speed of that, except for maybe the Ghost. And they see that the pilot is Volt Scaris, the dick Imperial that Sabine had to put up with back at Sky, Sky Strike Academy way back in Season 3. Friendly reminder that Volt Scaris murdered a teenager in that episode because he was trying to defect. They got the video they came for, and Ryder says it's time to head back to base. But Sabine wants more, and thinks that pretty pictures won't be enough to convince Rebel Command. She wants to get the flight data recorder, which is inside the TIE Defender. The team is split because they don't even know if they can even get hard evidence to- Oh yeah, sorry. They don't know if they can even get hard evidence to Rebel Command because none of them have a working ship. But with some convincing from Ezra, Ryder and Zeb stay behind and keep watch while Ezra and Sabine and the Lothcats head towards the base. The kids and the cats sneak in. And the TIE Defender is surrounded by guards. The kids need a distraction. So the freaking Lothcats, who are adorable, trot their prissy little kitty butts out there. And they all look cute for the stormtroopers. But these guys are fucking dicks. And they shoot at the cats. They shoot at Lothcats, people. And those cats don't fucking take that shit. And they attack the guards and lead them away from the ship like badass motherfuckers. You go, kitties. Z snaps. Sabine gets inside the TIE Defender and starts taking out the data log thingy. But Zeb gives them a warning that there's another ship incoming. And that's when it's about to get a lot sexier, you guys. Because the door opens and it's Blue Husbando and Bitch Wife, Bitch Wife Ari Price and Death Troopers Pick and Waffle. Bum bum bum. What do you think of that one? It was pretty good. I, I would probably be like, oh, these loth cats are a little too cute if they weren't cats. But I, only, I have one. This is one of my. It's it, it's just a stupid pet peeve, but it's it's my cat whisper side coming. Cats don't talk to each other. They don't. Cats no. Don't, they, they don't meow at each other. They only meow at people or that it's. Or if another cat's fucking with them, because my cat. Or cats, if they're fighting, yeah. if they're fighting, yeah. or they they don't vocalize. So like the loth cats running around going meow 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 meow. That's not. Now they are Star Wars cats, so maybe Star Wars cats work differently. Right, maybe, right. Maybe they do communicate that way. Right, right. 
but they're using like straight up cat voice cat like recordings of cat voices but that's just my little nitpick that just gives me a chance to show off my encyclopedic knowledge of kitty 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 cats <laughs> um no i agree and, man like my my cats don't meow at each other except for when my kitty zeb not zeb in the show but my kitty zeb wants to play with the girls and they make it very known that they don't like playing with him <laughs> yeah so this is this is the only part this is the only part that really like that that sort of introduces that you know that belies that this is a quote-unquote part two because they're stuck there without their hyperdrive you know they're sort of there and i remember going like oh yeah that's right they don't their ship they can't they can't like escape on their ship yeah but I that's the only thing that. that really ties together the last episode of it it doesn't have the tone of the last episode which was just like the doom of lethal in the city this one is this one's the like mystical vision one when you and my, lost cats it's a much different tone yeah 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 and uh um which is nice it's a nice uh you Breather. know yeah it's like a hundred nice little 180 degree um, especially change. when you watch these back to back because um, these aired back these aired back to back and so yeah. you went from the doom and gloom of lothal and old joe being killed for treason and then you open with lost cats <laughs> and my only other note is a question that i actually um Or actually, does it? Yeah, yeah. My my, it, it it actually answers itself later on in the episode, which I was thinking to myself, don't don't those new fancy ties have hyper hyperdrive on them? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was my first thought. Is like, if it has hyperdrive, why not just like, being off with the zing off with the hyperdrive on it? But that gets answered later. Yeah, they have to uh, take out the transponder first, so they yeah. don't lead them back to Yavin. There's actually like a whole like side story that happens with both Scarce and, and Thrawn that happens in Thrawn alliances. But the summary is he flies the Tide Defenders a lot and he knows all about him, all about it, which is why Volt Scarce is here in the first place because Scarce actually works on the Chimera for Thrawn as one of his main pilots. So th that's the side story. Anyway, for my notes, my first one in big letters is Lothcats. Oh my God, they're helping the kids. <laughs> That's my first note. <laughs> and followed up by, fuck those stormtroopers who shot at the cats. They're as bad yep. as the ones who punched Baby Yoda. I was actually surprised. I th I expected them to be like, hey, little kitty, and like take off their helmet and be like, hey, kitty, kitty, and then like, row. But like, I was just like, oh, these are even, these aren't even just dumb, goofy stormtrooper recruits. They're assholes. Yeah. These are the assholes that would be like, what's that, a Baby Yoda? Let's punch it. Same, same breed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so here's the dumb note that, because when, when it, we saw Hera and Kanan um, on Ezra's tower, I was like, I think that's outside of Lothal's capital city. So I, I looked it up just to make sure, to make sure my note was right. And sure enough, it is Lothal's capital city. But while I was on the page of Lothal's capital city, I see a little side note off to the side of like list of prominent places on Lothal. And apparently, in one of the Rebels books, it turns out Lothal's capital city has a zoo. <laughs> they have a zoo. And I'm bummed that there's not a storyline where the Rebels went to the zoo and freed the zoo animals as a distraction. Because <laughs> they have a zoo. And I was like, we could have had a zoo in Rebels where, like, the Rebels I would have like, loved to have seen what a 
Star Wars Zoo looks like. Same here. Apparently it had fear knocks, which were the animals that couldn't leave the shadows like way early in season yeah. one. Apparently there was fear knocks in the zoo, but I was like, man, I would just have loved like uh, an animal stampede just rampaging through the streets and Callus is like, yeah, no, they they, they grab the they grab the cage of fear knocks and dump it into the you know into the government building. Can you imagine, like, Callus, like, I'm going to get you, Rebels, and then there's a stampede of animals, and he's just like, <laughs> like, early season one. That would have been so much fun. That would have been so much animation budget. <laughs> so much animation budget, but it would be so worth it, even if it was just, like, a, like a group of fear knocks, because they already had yeah. the renderings for the fear knocks. They didn't have to do the other animals. Um, but I, I was so bummed when I found out that Lothal had a zoo that we could have had a story with like zoo animals and saw a Star Wars zoo. I was so bummed. Um, my actual note <laughs> for this season, for this act, that's not about zoos or lothcats. Um, I th- I'm glad they brought up the whole Sky Strike Academy because it dawned on me that Sabine has a beef with Vault Scaris because not only was he a dick to her, he fucking murdered a teenager in that episode. He murdered Rake Gary, Gary as they were trying to escape. And Orinda was like, we'll make an example of them. And they shot him. Uh, they shot his TIE fighter after they pulled the kill switch on all of them to make an example. And they he straight up killed a teenager. So I was like, yes, I'm not surprised that Sabine's just like, oh, I want to really get this guy. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a really nice callback moment because I bring this up in Act 3, but Sabine's very ballsy this episode. Like, she's actually the one that's like, because they were all getting ready to leave, and she was like, no, we need to do more. And then later on, she's like, we need to hyperdrive. And I was like, damn, Sabine, you're going. <laughs> she's, you're been, she's been uh, Mandal- she's been hanging out with Mandalorians. And, 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 like, I think it was supposed to be one of those things, like, where you get an idea in your head, and you're just like, that's what I gotta do. There's... There's a lot of sort of like fate playing like, you know, like uh, with Ezra and Kanan, it's more it's got a more mystical aspect of it. But like for her, you know, it was just that moment when like everything sort of falls into place and she's like, you know, we did this. We got some pictures, but like we could actually do that, you know, and and then and then her brain was like, you you're going to do that, you know, so. I you know, I might as well I'm going to go ahead and do my act three sipping note while I'm here because it's not a very long note because she she wants to take the data log and the hyperdrive. And when I first started writing this note, I almost wrote that she was being greedy and then I stopped and realize it's not greed. It's what Jen Erso says in Rogue One. We have to take every chance and take the next chance and take the next chance until we run out of chances. Because they are the, they are a tiny minority rebellion group. They have to take these chances. Well, they she have know, no yeah, she probably knows that that's part of that whole like everything's falling into place. If she didn't do it, she'd be kicking herself forever. Yeah, after going, that, man, you know? we could have had a hyperdrive. Man, we could have yeah. had a data yeah. logger. And so it was that very Jen Erso mentality of we take the next chance and the next chance and the next chance until we run out of chances. And and that's where Sabine was coming from in this episode. And I, I, I think they portrayed that really, really well. But that's all I had for Act 1. All right. Act 2? Act 2. <clears throat> 
So, Blue has Bando and Bitchwife arrive at the airfield, and they meet with Scaris. Did we have a funny nickname for Scaris? I don't remember. I should have looked it up. I don't think we did. Anyway, everyone is all snooty and stuff, but they're ready to check out the ship, which still has Sabine inside of it. Ezra begs her to get out, but she almost has the data log out. Sabine tells him to stall them. And then Ezra looks out into the open, and in the distance, there's a Loth wolf. And Ezra's all enchanted by the sight, and he doesn't hear a trooper sneak up behind him. And Ezra suddenly hears the trooper, pulls out his lightsaber, which causes a huge commotion, which gets everyone's attention. Zeb offers for him and Ryder to go out there and fight, but Ezra says no. They already have recordings of the TIE Defender. They need to get back to Rebel Command in case him and Sabine can't make it out of there. Ezra continues to fight off soldiers as Sabine gets the data log out. But then she sees Pick and Waffle coming for her, which would trap her inside. So she then gets a better idea. Like Zeb did in Season 1, she steals the TIE Defender and starts blowing everything up. Ezra leaps up and joins her inside, and they lay waste to the shipyard below them. And Thrawn is just fascinated with all of this, watching how marvelous his ship is performing. And he even has a little Indiana Jones moment as it flies over and he shoots at the ship. Sabine and Ezra fly out of there, and Thrawn thinks that this is a great time to test the TIE Defender's combat capabilities. But Ari is like, But Thrawn! I wanted to use the kill switch! It has the word kill in it! Like murder! My favorite thing! And Thrawn is like, Big sigh. Ah, scarce. <laughs> Just get some ships together and go after that thing, please. So Scaris tells his men to get in whatever ships are left and not blown up, and they take off after them. Meanwhile, Zeb and Ryder just had a great time watching all of the chaos unfold. So Sabine and Ezra are flying the TIE Defender and are also having a great time doing it. Sabine realizes that the ship has hyperdrive, meaning that they can just fly the ship back to Rebel Command. Sabine just needs to take out the transponders so they can't be tracked back to Yavin. So Ezra takes over with flying. But before Sabine can do anything, Scaris' men catches up with them, and Ezra hits the gas pedal and floors it! And a dogfight breaks out as Ezra battles with the fighters. During all of this, Thrawn and his goons are watching it on screen. Scaris thinks that it's Hera flying that ship. Thrawn, who is Hera's rival, flat out points out, Nah, bro, Hera's a much better pilot than whoever this is. She would have, liked killed everyone by now. I admire Harris Newell so much. They watch as Sabine finally disables the transponder, which makes Theron realize that Sabine is on the ship with Ezra, who must be flying the TIE Defender. If Ezra, who is pretty much like a student driver compared to Hera, can take out three TIEs with a TIE Defender, Theron realizes that a fully trained Imperial pilot could wipe out the Rebellion. Theron looks at Ari and goes, Go ahead, do your thing. And Arenda is like, activate the kill switch! You guys can't see it, but kill has like seven L's, seven I's. More than that. This is right about the time that Sabine realizes, hey, there's a kill switch on board with them, and demands Ezra land the TIE Defender, or they're going to plummet out of the sky to their probable deaths. Ezra gets low enough when two of their wings fall off, but he can somewhat crash land the ship, and the kids fall into the ground and skid to a stop. What'd you think of Act 2? 
I like when Scott Gardner and I were play, were kids playing. He, I didn't. I had the X wing and he had the Tie Fighter, but we often had the Tie Fighter. Like one wing would come off and then it would land like that with the third one, like a surfboard. You know. Really, that's I, so cool. Oh, I'll bet you everybody did it. I'll bet you that's why it's in here. I'll bet you that's how they played with their Tie. Somebody played with their Tie Fighter and got like. Dude, we should have it skid out like a, a surfboard. I used to do that. Yeah, I used to do that too. The, 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 those Kenner TIE Fighters were a pain in the ass, though, because the mechanism that held the, the, the two wings on was very hair trigger. And after you played with it for a while, it was hard to, for them to just not go flying off at the slightest move. They were held on by these two little light clips, and once the springs in them started going, they'd like... You know, you didn't just have to push the button for them to fall off. You sort of had to hold them on for after a while. Yeah. Um. I I think she should have just started blasting at Thrawn as soon as he got in range of that ship and gotten the element of surprise and taken off. That's what I would have done. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been fair. It would have been a dirty, dirty, dirty way to do them. But that's that's it's war. And okay, let me do my uh. Let me do my my nice visual note before I start and talking about Thrawn. <laughs> I love that he breaks the sound barrier with the TIE I have fighter. that note too. So cool. It's so cool. And something cool. you don't really see much in. They had a, they had little bits of, like clips sort of like that I think in the Force Awakens. But like yeah, that was so cool. And um, actually, while we're talking about that, because um, I, I have that note as well, I also like that whole dogfight because also the tie defender sounds different from the other ties. So it's a nice mixture of, and I was watching this with headphones in, and you can actually hear how, like, when the tie defender moves, it'll go from, like, your right headphone across to the center and then go out your left headphone. Uh-huh. And it's a very nice, like, play of balance, but it actually sounds different. It has more of, a, like, a higher pitch whine than the other two TIE fighters because it's moving faster. But man, that sound barrier moment, that was, I was like, I know Chris is going to note this too, but I have to say something because it's so cool. It's really neat. And it's like, of course, they would break the sound barrier routinely. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Hit me, hit me with your Thrawn note. Hit me. me. Well, here we are, Mr. Genius again. Could have won right off the bat. And just hit that kill switch right in the middle of the battle. Let them crash into a barrier when they're doing all their fancy stuff. Hit the kill switch. Problem solved. I think you're putting but way too no, much logic into this kid He's playing three-dimensional chess. Let them go for a little while. You know, she's just like, hit the kill switch. If they would have hit the kill switch, that would have been the end. Probably been the end of Ezra and, and Sabine. And, they, you know. And, uh, I, think, I think you sometimes put too much logic into this kid show. Because some things that you're just like, you know what, it doesn't make logical sense. But it's a kid show, so it's okay. But when it comes to throwing, you're just like, no, no, this is warfare. Fucking murder the children. Right, because, well, because the portrayal of <laughs> Thrawn is like mega... I, uh, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Thrawny Coyote. Super <laughs> genius. And, and, and so... It's just not that that okay, you know, knowing what we know in the show, that would have won the day. But Thrawn had to do his like 
hmm, I need to gather information about this. And and it, and it's it, basically it's just him playing like playing a little game with them of like I wonder who's flying the ship. Oh, you know, he like him showing off of like he's flying the ship and Sabine's doing the transponder. So what? <laughs> I, I <laughs> Good will, job, I, dude. I Good will job. add one thing that c- contradicts the Thrawn novels. Because in the Thrawn novels, um, and I, I'm talking the new canon novels, not the old, not the original EU novels. In the new canon novels, Thrawn values life. Like, he values saving lives and not sacrificing soldiers. And he was willing to kill three pilots in this episode to test his ship. To test it somewhat, sort of, you know. I don't know if that's the, you know, he can, it's like, okay, I got a test out of it. But that just seems like his sort of, like... Okay, that's his that's his thing he's gonna claim of like I really won, I got a test of my ship. And it's like, yeah, you could have gotten a test of your ship without fucking blow getting everything in the whole base blown up to dip dong and our and its hyperdrive and its logs and its you know I just but, find it funny because it's there's I, I've heard you say on this show and I'm just like, you know what, it's a kid show. These things are fine, but when it comes to Thrawn, you're like, no, it mm-hmm. must be logical. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody else is be, you know, pe- uh, it's, it's. You can die on this hill. I'm not like, I yeah, just no, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, if 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 all all of a sudden, you know, Kanan started acting, you know, the people are consistent with their character, and I'm guessing, I'm say, I'm I'm not saying he's an inconsistent character. He's just incon- He's consistently kind of dumb. I just think he's kind of a faker. He's oh, a faker. He's a poser. He's I a know. St- I just find it funny because I stupid. I know you're Thrawn Hill and I I know this is your hill and I just I just think it's funny. So we're not gonna rile up that Thrawn Hill. Okay, <laughs> but that's all I got for part two, I guess. Um, my first note in big letters is Lothwolf. Um. I guess I'll do my my other two small notes. Actually, all they're all kind of small notes. Um, I love how Ezra's fighting style is just running into shit and falling over it by accident, and it just works. And it makes me laugh because we always see these people just being like, "Wow, the Jedi are so graceful and so like great, and they're smart, and like look out at them go, and they're beautiful." And I distinctly remember scenes of like Anakin and Clone Wars just fucking falling over ship shit, and now Ezra's just like falling over boxes. And I'm just like uh, yeah, Ezra's like it's like a Shaolin style like drunken master, you know. You know what it reminded me of? Cue the music, Chris. It reminded me of the Darth Jar Jar theory. Oh. oh my god we can bring back the Jar- Darth Jar Jar but like that was that was one of the main points of the Darth Jar Jar theory which was he's using it, it's actually a specific type of martial arts where you come off looking like a blubbling blubbering fool but it's actually a fighting style because it's just uh keeps people off balance because they assume that you're off balance, but you're actually in control. And people were saying, like, this is a specific type of martial arts, which he was using the force to help control. Like, that was a main thing of the Darth Jar Jar theory. I hope to God you're playing the music, because I miss that music. Personally. <laughs> I, like, uh, I think it's more of, like, he, he, he is, like, that organic type of Jedi. He's like, 
I'll use my my stumble and bumble to get, you know, it'll guide me. I will, he's, he's flowing a river, you know, but he's yeah. tumbling and, and falling. So he's letting the, he's, he's cutting a balance between chaos and his Jedi stuff and it works for him, you know? That's sort, yeah. sort of how his whole career has gone. I actually wrote, the Jedi are all actually clumsy dudes and the Force is the what keeps them all alive. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just, it reminded me actually a lot of the, I, I almost wrote about the Darth Jar Jar theory, but then I was like, nah, nah, nah. but now if it's, please just play the music. I miss that music. Um, it's been playing. D don't worry about it. Don't sweat oh, it. It's still going. Oh, uh, good times, man. Good times. I miss Darth Jar Jar and Clone Wars. Anyway, um, while the Stormtroopers were dicks for shooting the Lothcat, I do Hope like it's that still they... going. It's still going. Should I stop it now? You can stop it now. Okay. Okay. Um, while they were dicks about shooting the Lothcats, I did like that they continued that comedy bit with the Stormtroopers still chasing the Lothcats from out Yeah, the Lothcats are having fun. Yeah, it, that it was, was just a game nice, for the Lothcats. It was just a nice little comedy bit, because you know when those two get back to the office, they're just going to be like, whoa, everything's on fire! <laughs> because we chased some fucking Lothcats, and they're going to be like, where were you two? And they're like, we were, we were hunting the rebels, sir. <laughs> These rebels came up and attacked us, and they scratched our faces, and they ran off, and we were chasing them. But they won't ever say it was a cat. Um, and my only other note is, I do like that they made a nice little nod to Thrawn and Hera's continued rivalry. Because it, it was nice. I, I like that moment because their rivalry really has been continuing since season three. And I like that Thrawn was like, no, that's not Hera. Like, Scaris, like, that's not Hera. That's clearly not Hera because I know her fighting style because she's so much better than this. So I just like that they can't, they're still kind of continuing those threads of Thrawn and Hera's rivalry. But that's all I have. Oh. Ready to f finish this Lothcat off? Uh, yeah, and we're gonna get into the Loth puppies. Wrap the wrap this pup Loth puppy up, and then we'll get into all the Princess Mononoke notes that you're not gonna know anything about. <laughs> the Mononokes. Eh, not your best. It was alright. No, no was not okay. really. Yeah, it's okay. It was it was fine. <laughs> alright, X three. X three. So the kids have crashed the Tide Defender. They're banged up, but they're alive. Ezra wants to get out of there, but Sabine wants to steal the hyperdrive off the Defender. If they can get the hyperdrive, then they can repair Ryder's ship back at base. They would then have a working ship to get things back and forth to Rebel Command. Ezra's a bit wary, but you know, he, he sees what she's saying and he gives her the okay. During all this, the rest of the Space Family is worried and starts looking for the kids because you know, we just needed to show passage of time. And the kids have removed the big-ass hyperdrive from the ship and is now dragging it along at a really slow pace. And they're leaving a very long trail of dust, which is not addressed. Suddenly, Ezra sees the white cat from a few seasons ago, and he says that they need to follow it. It leads them to a cave where they can stash the hyperdrive and come back for it later. Sabine, who never saw the white cat to begin with, is really confused. But you know what? She's ready to get the heck out of there. They've had a long day. And they hide the hyperdrive in the cave, and they put a rock in front of it. Suddenly, Ezra hears the cry of the Lothwolves. Have you ever heard the Lothwolf cry to the blue corn moon? Little Pocahontas. Oh, Pocahontas. It used to be good. Anyway, which uh, Sabine doesn't hear the Lothwolves either, and the kids continue on foot. 
Later that night, Ari has found the Tide Defender and calls Thrawn going, Look! Look, Thrawn! I'm a good girl! I found the crashed ship! Will you love me? And Thrawn is like, Now that's what I call yikes! You know what? I'm gonna send some forces to come help you and help you find the rebels. And then he hangs up on her. And Ari turns to the nearest trooper and says, Thrawn's my boyfriend! And the trooper is like, what help, Whatever helps you sleep at night, ma'am. And then Ari shoves him out the door to his death. The kids are on the run, but they have to stay out of the lights of the search patrol. Ezra sees again the Loth wolf, but it's gone before Sabine can see it. Ezra admits that he keeps seeing a wolf, but Loth wolves haven't been seen on Lothal for over a hundred years. Until suddenly, a big fucking Loth wolf comes up behind Sabine and says, Sleep. And Sabine falls asleep from either force magic or terrible wolf breath. It's hard to say. Ezra is in complete wonder and fear until he sees the white loth cat on top of the wolf's head. The animal growls at the Imperial ships, and Ezra realizes that they're all friends because they all hate the Empire. The wolf lowers down for them, and Ezra makes sure that it's okay first before he puts Sabine on, his, on its back. Hopping on... But hopping onto the wolf himself, they ride into the night! And it's like a How Miyazaki film, a very Princess Mononoke moment. The wolf weaves and dodges out of the way of the lights, and it carries them to safety. It runs until morning until they're back at the rebel camp. Ezra gets Sabine off, who is still asleep, and he gets her off the wolf's back and lays her on the ground. He thanks the wolf, but asks why the wolf helped them. And the wolf utters a single word. Doom. Spelled D-U-M-E, not D-O-O-M. It's spelled Doom, like Caleb Doom, which is Kanan's original name. Suddenly, Space Mom calls out to them, and the entire Space family is running out to see them. Hera asks how they all got back there so fast. And that's because the Loft Wolf is gone, and no one else saw the wolf. Ezra looks at Kanan, and like a good Jedi Master, Kanan just shrugs because what the fuck is the Force stuff anyway? And they all congratulate the kids for getting the data recorder and hiding the hyperdrive. Once the family walks away, Ezra asks Kanan about the wolf. And Kanan nods and goes, Oh yes, all the paths are coming together now. And Ezra's like, What does that mean, Jedi Master? And Kanan, like a good Jedi Master, goes, I don't fucking know, kid. Let's go eat some breakfast. The end! <laughs> I actually Let's go have Kanan. a big bowl of C-3PO's. I love Kanan so much because, like, I, <laughs> when things are just really weird for stuff, Kanan almost, from season one, just kind of just shrugs like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I love that about Kanan. Like, he's always been on brand since season one, just being like, hey, for stuff. Okay, I don't fucking know what it is. Let's just let's just trust it, Ezra. I'm just going to trust the forest. It'll be fine. Yeah, it was a sounds legit sort of shrug. Yeah, like, that pans out. Weird for yeah. stuff, yeah, that, that bit. Um, I like the scene where he's sort of like a little, doesn't know what to think of the loth wolf, but then the loth cat crawls on its head, and the loth wolf ears and the cat's ears move in sync with each other. Yeah. That was really cool, and like, you, you and uh, and like, Obviously, Ezra is doing consciously or consciously with the Lothwolf. I wonder if there was even dialogue between, the, like, if he was hearing a voice in well, his we head too that, that says... we were we weren't being let in on a, almost. But like, 
it's obvious that Ezra's got like familiars. <laughs> and I mean, we and know like, the book said two words. It said sleep to put uh, uh, Sabine to sleep, and then it said doom to, which is Kanan's uh, original last name. So we know that it can talk to some degree. Right, right. But I think that was for our benefit. It almost seems like Ezra is figuring out, like, that he's maybe not even consciously, like, hey, Lothcats, help me. But they, they pick up on it and they're, they're you know, I there uh, there's something weird, although, like, I can sort of tell that the, the Loth wolves are sort of Dave Filoni's got to put his picadillo in into the show, but there's something just a little off about it that just feels a little out of place, like a little genre, like from I, a different genre. And but there's there's still cool, but there's something that that's just a little off about about them. They're like they, and it's I I can't I'm, quite put my finger on it or express it. It's almost really, like. Sometimes they're too mystical. Sometimes I wish they would be more just sort of like a regular, you know, more like I'm not really sure how I feel about them moving their lips to talk and all that. I feel the same way because I think I mentioned this last week, but that was one of the things that I was really interested in watching this final season because I remember watching it the first time through and I thought the wolves were cool but there was just something about them that I I didn't quite like and I was talking to Megan about this and and I will say like Megan and her husband do not like the weird force stuff of Clone Wars and Rebels they don't like the Mortis arc they don't like the force priestesses they think Bindu's fine but that's only just because they're big Tom Baker fans they're not really they think the Loft Wolves are okay but they're not really big fans of those like they don't they like more of the black and white take of the force versus like the weird Dave Filoni things of the force. Yeah. But you know, it's a take. They're they're allowed. Don't fully agree with them. But like I, I do kind of like there's something about the Loth Wolves, like and I, I think it was when we first see them being able to travel through the planet through pretty much like planetary hyperdrive where I felt like, okay, this is a little much. And I wish I wish there was something a little bit more concrete about them because I like and dislike them at the exact same time. And it's kind of how I feel about the Purgle. Like, I, like the space whales. Like, I get why they're there and I understand them, but there's something about it that I can't put my finger on that I just don't really like about it. The Purgle like works better for me because it's just simple. It's just a simple thing. You know, it, there's, there's not too much going on with it, you know? Yeah, and I, I think it's... Whether or not, like, because we don't like the Mortis arc, but I understand the purpose and what they were doing with the Mortis arc. And to me, the Loth Wolves feel like Dave Filoni wanted to put wolves in Clone Wars and he never got the chance, so he's taking this chance now with Rebels. But I, there's just something about them that I don't feel like they're even fully fleshed out. Like, they're here, they're here to be magical MacGuffins. They're here to be mysterious MacGuffins that are not fully explained and, and they're wolves because Dave Filoni loves wolves. Yeah, and that's not always a bad thing. Um, I, I don't always mind magical MacGuffins because sometimes you just need a magical MacGuffin for plot. That's just how narratives work. But I don't I don't know. Like Sometimes it feels like they're a little bit too mysterious. And I, I wish they were just slightly more concrete. And I, I was doing a little reading ahead. And like after Caden's death, there is a big fucking Loth wolf named Doom. And he's supposed to be the cosmic force embodiment of Kanan's will after death. And I'm just like, 
That's not explained in the show. That came out in a Dave Filoni article. Like, so right. when you just watch the show, it's just fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, there, there has to be... Things can be weird as long as there's a logic behind it. Does that make sense? Sure. Even and, if you don't even get the logic behind it, you know? Yeah, but, like, so much of the Lothwolves, as much as I love them, I love the Lothwolves, but so much of it feels like this is just Dave Filoni jerking off about wolves. Yeah, he likes wolves. Yeah, it's just, I I, I'll, I'll, I, hey, I will. Uh, I'm perfectly happy to indulge him in in some wolves. I, it's just, it's not really like a big complaint that bother. It doesn't bother me as much as like, as Ron. much as a mortis arc or something like that. Not even close. Yeah. But there's just, it's just always there's always something a little just around the edges of it that's just like. Oh, yeah. And I feel the same way because. I like the Lothwolves. I think they're cool as hell, but there's just something about them that does not jive with me on the edges. And that's a good way of putting them. I like them as a whole, but I don't like the edges about it because it almost feels like it almost feels like the first the force puzzle piece is like a certain size and the Lothwolves are just slightly too big to fit the puzzle piece and you're just kind of trying to cram them into yeah. the hole. Yeah. So it's like they're both circles, but one's a slightly bigger circle and you're trying to cram it into the hole and it's not quite fitting, even though it's both they're both circles. So, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, Yada. <laughs> go run off with your wolf family. <laughs> go dance with them. That's all I had for part three. Oh, OK. OK, so for me, I had to go back and look at the white lock cat a minute because i had originally thought that the white loth cat belonged to writer like it was his pet but it turns out i was that's fine um so i i I like because i went back and i rewatched the white loth cat scenes from legacy which is a season two episode and i like that it takes more on the form of ezra's force guide and that the animals of lothal are starting to become all guides and i i think that's a really cool idea and then when i went back and i watched legacy from season two um, I realized that the only people who have seen the white lock cat are Jedi. Only Kanan and Ezra have seen them. And I like that because Sabine doesn't see the cat here. Ryder didn't see the cat in episode back in season two. So I like that there is a force nature to them that only the Jedi have been able to see the lock cat up to this point. And I think that's mm-hmm. just a really cool thing. I agree. And there's also a bigger like nature versus versus technology story happening with the animals of this world rebelling against the Empire too, because Lothal is burning and it's a ravage, and we're starting to see the nature of with the Loth cats and the Loth wolves are starting to push back, and even just like the normal Loth cats just going after the stormtroopers. So it's setting up this really cool like nature versus technology narrative that that's a very common narrative in stories anyway. So I, I really like that. Yeah, it's a little avatar. <laughs> airbender or blue people? Blue people. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about the airbender. We'll I only there. saw the M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong Ding Dong version. Okay. It'll, that'll get fixed. That's, yeah, I was about to say, that's a nice little segue. Hey, guys, by the time this episode comes out, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons is going to be on iTunes. So... Um, but if you want to go ahead and listen to two months' worth of episodes, you can sign up for Patreon, but you can also listen but be two months behind on iTunes by the time this episode comes out. So, anyway, um, in big wo- words, I wrote, the wolf riding scene is awesome, 
But I also like before it starts that Ezra actually asks the wolf permission to ride the loft wolf. And I like that because he, he's clearly recognizing like this is a force being. I need to yeah. like be nice to it. And he's very polite. He's constantly like, thank you, good boy. Thank you. Are you sure I can get on you? Thank you, sir. <laughs> he's being very polite to the loft wolf. And I like that. <laughs> um, so... Nerdist, okay, here's my big last Princess Mononoke note. On the Nerdist, um, which is a website, writer Amy Radcliffe did a really great article breaking down the similarities of the Lothwolves to the movie Princess Mononoke. And as I stated in the background info, that's one of Dave Filoni's favorite animated movies. So I just wanted to pull out some of her points that were just comparing the two together. Um, the music in the Lothwolf sequence has essence of Princess Mononoke's score. And the Lothwolf who looks like the character Moro, who is a wolf in the movie, um, has had a similarly processed and stylized voice because Moro could talk just like the Loth Wolf and this could talk. And it represents the embodiment of nature of the planet being harmed by technology of the Empire and the nature rebelling against the Empire. Um, the White Loth cat, cat is like the Kadama in Mononoke. Only Ezra, who is the Ashitaka for all purposes in this scene, only Ashitaka and Ezra can see this particular cat, and it led him uh, to the Lothwolf, just like the Kadama, who are spirit uh, tree spirits, lead Ashitaka into the forest to meet the wolves. Even though De Floti debunked this, some fans thought that the Lothwolf was Ahsoka after she died back in season two. Of course, she didn't die. Um, which one of the influences for Ahsoka's character was the character San from Princess Mononoke, which is why many fans thought that Ahsoka could be the embodiment of this wolf. So those are just kind of like the some of the connections. Um, even how they're designed, they're very similar, and the wolf writing scenes are very similar between this and Princess Mononoke. Um, if you haven't seen Princess Mononoke, for one, there's a lot of great callbacks in this episode, but two, it's just a really fucking good movie. <laughs> Highly, highly say you should watch it, Chris. It's so good. But yeah, I think um, I think Dave Filoni should do stuff like that because that's how George Lucas made Star Wars. He's paying tribute to all his favorite stuff. So, I mean, yeah. I consider Filoni sort of like the spiritual heir to to George Lucas. So he should be putting the you know paying tribute to you know his the stuff he likes and putting it in Star Wars. Yeah. Finally, my last note is um, I like the ending scene because the final scene whites out completely before the Rebels logo came up. And then as the logo comes up, you hear a wolf howling. And I don't think we've ever had a whiteout like that before where everything gets really white and then fades and then the Rebels logo comes up. I don't know. I never thought of that. Yeah, I don't don't think we have. But it, it was just like a really cool moment to have that whiteout and then it comes up with the wolf howling. It was just a really nice end scene. But... That's all I have for Act Three. Did you have anything else? No, I'm re- I'm ready to score it up. No, you have one more oh. thing to do. Oh, I almost got away with it. Yeah, it's Chris's favorite portion of the podcast. He has to say a nice thing about Thrawn. All right, so you can't say anything about his appearance. He never killed a character that you like. Thrawn keeps a neat and tidy office, and he's organized and has nice decorations, like Indiana Jones Easter eggs. Thrawn has a very good enunciation, and he's a clear speaker. Thrawn is cool because he has nerd pocket protectors. Chris is delusional because he came up, but I'm really proud because he came up with a headcanon because he thinks Thrawn would smoke pot with Bendu. He would. And finally, Thrawn is a considerate boss who checks on his employees. Now you get a new one. 
He would be a damn fine chicken player. I'm sorry, what? Oh, like the game chicken. Yeah. He's a skilled... <laughs> I thought a chicken, like the musical, like like using a chicken as a musical instrument, and I was very confused. I don't for know. Maybe he might be okay at that. Yeah, or a chicken player where he seduces chickens, but w- by being slick and uh, he's like Gonzo the Great, you know. Oh my God, I I really honestly like my brain tried to make a chicken into a musical instrument, and I was very confused for half a second. <laughs> All right, Chris, score it up for me. We're we're in this consist. I mean, it's not a bad consistent score. I, I gave it another eight point five. I was gonna give it an eight, a little lower than the last three, because story story wise, there's not really much like special going on with it. It's got some neat, you know, some neat stuff. It's 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 good and solid, but the Lothcats and the Lothwolves brought it up to an eight point five. They 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 put the life into the episode for me. Yeah. I, I feel yeah, I'm kinda like this this season is consistent and it's consistent of it's all good, but nothing that's like really mind blowing. I don't think we really get there until Kanan's death or a world between worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like this episode. Um, it's kind of a continuation of one of my favorite Rebels episode, which is Fight or Flight. Um, not the best Thrawn episode, but it's fine in general. But the Lothwolves and the Return of the White Lothcat really adds a lot of Force stuff into the mix. And there's a really cool take of nature versus technology. And also, Princess Mononoke is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. So I really dig that there are so many nods to Princess Mononoke in this, and I really love it. So I give it an 8 out of 10. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from our Facebook episode, Twin Sons, where we had guest Jeremy Conrad from Bleeding Cool. Yay. Take it away, Chris. Okay, our first one comes from Paul C. Kelly. Oh, yeah. And uh, he says, Jeremy Knows Trolls, the movie. I was one of the parents who paid 20 bucks for the two-day rental, like the Barb Mall comparison. Oh, you didn't even tell us whether you liked it or not. Yeah, Paul. Actually, I heard that the second Trolls movie is actually really good. Someone someone was telling me it was... uh, Well, no, I don't know. Oh, oh, um... the, The one he's talking about is, like, the Trolls World Tour one. Yeah. So I can't remember who I was talking. Somebody said they saw it and they they just couldn't. Oh, it was Dario. Dar- Dar- Dario and his son both pieced out of it after a few minutes and were like, yeah, let's not watch this. <laughs> maybe, maybe it wasn't. Okay, really good might be strong, but people were like, it's a complete 180 because the first one absolutely has no plot, but the, sec- but the second Trolls World Tour is actually about them realizing the that well, it was, it was pretty much about, like, reparations and realizing that pop music stole from so many other genres and claiming it as their own. And it's about the reparations of, like, pop realizing that they stole music from everybody else. And I was like, wow, I haven't seen it, but that sounds deep for a Trolls movie. <laughs> for Trolls, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, okay. and this is a new commenter. This was Diego's first time uh, commenting, uh, I think. And I, I'm. Diego, I, welcome I, to our show. 
Um, Diego Lemos? Lemos? I think so. Lemos? Diego, just to be perfectly honest, um, there were four names there, and I know I, I should have looked it up, but I just went with your last name, and I assume this is your last name. Please correct me. I want to learn. <laughs> so if, Lemos, if it isn't Diego Lemos, please correct us. We would love learning. We want to get it right here on J Guys and Jedi. We do. He says, I don't think it would be a good idea to put Satine and Savage in this episode. Many fans that started with the with Rebels wouldn't know who these people are, and it would be weird to suddenly expect for your audience to be familiarized with those characters through a YouTube video. I agree. And Hope says, I'm on the fence about I feel with Satine and Savage, but I also struggle with a lot of this episode. I feel like a lot of this episode was a misstep in a lot of ways, except for the final fight. True that! It was the sunny day of the Void of Rebels! And then Diego says, That I agree. They should have added at least another character to interact with Maul or Ezra, mainly Maul, so the story's pace doesn't run into a wall of sand, which gets in everything. Or just have the entire episode be about Maul and Obi-Wan and not even Ezra in the first place, and maybe Ezra would be like, I think... I think Maul's dead. I think I felt that through the fours and just being like, thank fucking God. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, guys. The thing that we've been waiting all day for. We're going to eat candy. So, as always, Chris is co-podcaster from Eden Beat It. Mr. Dario Gonzalez is a, our lovely friend of the podcast and a flight attendant and sends us candy from all over the world to review. And today we're doing bakeable Kit Kats from Japan. Yes, we are. They're Kit Kats that you can bake? And mine's still too hot to bite into. What you guys didn't hear was about a 10, 15 minute break of me and Chris baking Kit Kats. So, but you can, I was actually looking it up online and you can actually order these um, from, an, um, from a site. You know what? I have it pulled up on my phone because I was looking at how to bake them on my phone. So you can actually buy these from... Uh, JapanCenter.com. Center is T-R-E, like the English way of spelling it. Like, I should say the British way of spelling it, not American English. So, I've been eating, like, the little... It was weird. They were white-yellowish, and, like, the the quote-unquote chocolate on them was more like the consistency of, like, taffy. Mm Mm-hmm. But then it bakes brown, and it's like... Listen. Yeah. They, uh, they smell like like baked caramel. Yeah, like caramel, crumbs, a crumbs. little like, and a little bit of marshmallow in there too. Yeah, I'm eating I the think crumbs it's right the now. It's still too hot to bite into. You know what? I'm gonna suffer for the show because I want these. Here we go. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. There's a little bit of French toast almost to it or something. Oh my god, it doesn't. Yeah. Oh my god. It's more of like a crispy cake. Mm. Oh my god. Um. I, I don't. It's so good. Oh god. Guys. Go to Japan Center RE with the RE, not the ER.com and buy some. These are. Oh god. These I'm are just, fantastic. Oh my god. It's like a Kit Kat cookie. Oh my god. It's a, it's a caramelization dream. Oh my god, this would be so good. And, and it's like so crumbly. Mm. Oh my god. 
These would be amazing in ice cream. In ice cream. Oh god. Oh my god. My right my stepmom and plop them right on top of some ice cream. Oh, my, good my lord. stepmom was like, "Do you want some ice cream?" And I was like, "No, I gotta go back and podcast." No, I wish I took her up on the ice cream. They remind me a little of certain Christmas cookies. Oh my god. But they're their own thing that's delicious. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. Dario, I won't say no if you no, want to No chocolate close. component to these Kit Kats for once. Yeah. Oh my god. They're, like, they're more like a Kit Kat that turns into a delicious bakery fresh cookie. Oh my gosh. That was so amazing. Oh my god, guys. So go to japancenterre.com and go buy some because, oh mm. my god. That was, that might just be the best one we've had on the show so far. I have to say, yeah, it was funny. I was, I was recording with Dario last night, and I'm like, yeah, Hope and I are going to do the baked Kit Kats tomorrow. I'll tell you how they go. And he's like, no, I'll wait till the show. He's like, how long will it be for the show to come out? And I'm like, a couple, three weeks. He's like, I'm waiting for the show. Oh, God, Dario. I think I just had, like, a religious experience. Mm. <laughs> With the Kit Kat. <laughs> oh my god. And he sent us more than one, so. Uh. So I, I baked three out of my four, um, just because I baked one for my stepmom and my dad as well. But I, I left one, one off for my the, housemate. Yeah, and I, I kept one off to the side in case I burned these so I would have a backup. Uh-huh. And now I just realized I left my backup in the kitchen and it's probably in danger now. <laughs> From the other people in my house. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, now that they've gotten a taste. <laughs> all right well did you have anything else for flight of the defender no all right chris where can that people find you just wiped it right out of my brain oh my god yeah i was like what it took me a sec i had to actually look at the title of the document i was like what did we talk about tonight because <laughs> i i'm in i'm in kit kat heaven we talk about i'm still push. like picking it out of my teeth and i'm perfectly happy uh-huh. tasting it on my teeth mm. oh, man. Well, you can find me at TwoTrueFreaks.com. That is our website where we keep all our podcasts. You can sign up for our RSS feed there or on iTunes. We are also on Facebook where we have the Two True Freaks podcast page where we also post all our, our podcasts and the Two True Freaks Cantina where you can go and shoot the shit. Uh, we are also on Twitter. Our Twitter is run by the legendary Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. Gene, you gotta buy some of those Kit Kats. Gene Gene, the quarantine machine. Well, we're all quarantine machines. Chris. Yeah, yeah, but Gene's a quarantine machine too. It sounds better as Gene Gene, the quarantine machine, than Hope it Hope, does. the quarantine machine, or Chris Chris, the quarantine machine. That just sounds like awkward and and stumbly. Whereas Gene Gene, the quarantine machine. (laughs) The lean green quarantine machine. All right. But that's where (laughs) you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You know, there are some just times on this show where I just sit back and I... um, There's a helicopter flying over. I hear that. Yeah. I hear that, man. It's louder than normal. I figured you could hear it. So, wow, that was low. I can actually see it. It's actually kind of low. Um, oh, I wonder if there's protests in downtown Lawrenceville. I'm only like five, ten miles from downtown Lawrenceville, so I wonder if that's what that's going to. Maybe. Anyway, you know, sometimes there are new show times in the show. I just sit back and I just wait to see how long you go on with a bit. 
Because I'm just like, Chris is going to end this bit eventually. Let's see how long it takes. <laughs> uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at jguysandjedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at hopemolinax on Twitter. I have my website, geekygirlexperience.com, where I write all sorts of reviews from animation to gay stuff. And it is my brand, and me and Chris also have a podcast on there called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. By the time this episode comes out, that is now on iTunes. But if you don't want to be two months behind, you can sign up to my Patreon on there, too, and get all caught up and be ahead of all the people and be a cool kid, and you can also help support me, and that would be awesome. And you can also find my writing on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia, where I write a slew of fan fiction. What's next week? <laughs> I have no idea. Travel season. I never four. look ahead. I know. I stumble into it. I it's know. Great. Let's see. Next week is the episode Kindred. Oh, I think this this is Rook's first episode. We get to see uh, Warwick Davis's character. Oh, cool. Yeah, you can't tell it's him because they massively distort his voice, so it doesn't even sound like Warwick David. Davis, but it is. <laughs> I actually really like Rook, so I'm very excited about seeing Rook. That's actually one of my few complaints of Thrawn is I wish they brought Rook into season three, like much, much earlier, <laughs> because he's a big deal and he doesn't get a lot of screen time and you know, that's just the nature of this. I show. can still taste that Kit Kat in my oh, mouth. So Unbelievable. I'm still licking my teeth. Like I'm still I'm just like, thank God for broken teeth because it just stored pockets of Kit Kat, like right in the broken holes of my teeth, and I'm just like sucking them out. So for once, good thing for bad not going to the dentist. I know. In my <laughs> life, sorry. Alright, bye guys. See you later. Visit our website at two truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at Two True Freaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Meow, 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 meow.